0: Welcome to Legend Lore with Luis and Lauren, where we talk about Pathfinder 2nd Edition.
1: I'm Luis, and I'm a senior developer at Paizo, working on the Pathfinder Lost Omens line. I've been playing tabletop RPGs for over 15 years, and I've written for dozens of Pathfinder products. I'm also the GM for Valiant, and I write the Monsters Physique blog here on the No Direction Network.
0: And I'm Lauren. I've been playing RPGs for 20 years now. I've contributed to multiple Pathfinder blogs and podcasts and I'm currently working on a PhD in the field of animal intelligence. And this week, we're swashing buckles and buckling swashes. It's the swashbuckler, baby!
1: Yes, but before we get started, I always have to say that although we know a lot about what we're talking about when it comes to Pathfinder, we're... Not going to be providing any kind of official answers. We're here to offer advice, and you can use that however you like. But remember that the official word from Paizo is the only official ruling out there. But don't forget, it's your game. Do what works best for your table.
0: Now, Luis, I think my favorite thing about the swashbuckler, as a concept, as an idea, as a thing that be in the world, the swashbuckler is like the preeminent Master sword fighter, right? I mean, sure, we can put them in a, a, a bunch of other categories too, but when I think of a swashbuckler, I'm thinking of Zorro. I'm thinking mm-hmm. of the three musketeers. I'm thinking of the pirate on a boat with the biggest grin on their face because they know nobody is a better sword fighter than them.
1: It's action adventure. It's Errol Flynn as Robin Hood, as Errol Flynn as any dozen other <laughs> <laughs> movies. Uh, it's the thing that you think about when people say, ah, oh, I want to be exciting in a game of Pathfinder or d and D. I I will t- swing from the chandelier and drop down and get the jump on the enemies and s- hit from above and stuff like that. That's the dramatic, the daring do, the theatrical. Uh, just the adventurous of uh, the most adventurous of classes, I think
0: and i think it really carries over well to pathfinder 2e cuz swashbucklers are still very mobile they have mm-hmm. this kind of gimmick that they choose and they they exploit enemies with a with a with a smile on their face and they're mobile and they do that they they kind of epitomize that daring do pretty well
1: yes absolutely Let's see, i think we covered a lot of different examples uh, of swashbucklers in media already just cuz telling you, Zorro, I think, tells you a lot more than explaining, well, they're the kind of agile and maneuverable and you know, trickstery type of... No, just hearing Zorro, hearing Robin Hood, hearing the Three Musketeers is just so much more evocative.
0: Well, I'm glad you brought up Robin Hood, too, because that was also one of the examples I was going to go with, but I feel like we might get some folks fighting us on it. When mm-hmm. I think of Robin Hood, the thing I think of is that he's like the best archer there ever has been, right? Sure. But, but when you see him portrayed, when you see him fighting and stuff, it's with a sword. It, yeah. It's it's from chandeliers and, and under tables and all kinds of fun stuff like that. I dare say Robin Hood is a swashbuckler. He just happens to be good with the bow, too.
1: He might have a gestalt dual class run in on, on his table where he gets to be both ranger or, or archer or fighter or whatever for all the bow stuff plus all the swashbuckling for all the other fights
0: I'm really curious now to see how that would play though how like a swashbuckler class with the archer archetype would work I bet it'd be neat that yeah. is, that, that feels really Robin Hood but you know what swashbuckler doesn't feel really it doesn't feel really Batman it just
1: doesn't. You you say that, <laughs> but um, because we're going to get into mechanics later, I'll just, you know, point them out again when, when they come up. But Batman is 210 pounds of the leanest, most efficient use of muscle in, in you know, comics history. Right? Is that
0: canon? 210 pounds? I think 210
1: pounds for Bruce Wayne. Um, but when you see him fight um you see him grapple up into heights you see him jump over the backs of his foes you see him you know slide in and out uh, uh, of fights within reach of different people Uh, if you've ever played the the arkham series of batman video games you take on eight guys at once by jumping and, and blocking attacks and diverting attacks and stuff and you Eventually, build up your combo and use finishers uh, to kind of close close off a fight. Um, and I think it's very swashbucklery. It isn't necessarily always the most agile. It is very brutish and stuff. Uh, a lot of big muscle strength, but he moves a lot faster than you would expect someone that is just like two hundred and ten pounds of all muscle to move around. He he has a lot of acrobatic um, maneuvering with him, and then. You get into Nightwing, or aka or, okay, the first Robin, and some of the other Robins, um, who literally grew up as acrobats. Uh, Dick Grayson, the, the first Robin, was an acrobat, uh, and, and as Robin, he would use his acrobatic maneuvers, and he remained kind of a lean, lithe guy later on in his career when he became Nightwing and even when he took up the mantle of Batman. So he was an acrobatic guy that was technically Batman. Uh, And, you know, if if you really want to be like, well, Bruce Wayne is an acrobatic. Well, Batman was still acrobatic just as Dick Grayson's take on Batman uh, doing all that. So there's a lot to it. Uh, It's not all just swinging from ropes and stuff, uh, but I don't think anyone could say, well, I've never seen Batman jump through a window and catch a bad guy midair in a very acrobatic style. No, he does that kind of stuff all the time.
0: I think that's fair. I think you make a good point. I could definitely see Batman as a, as a swashbuckler. The problem I'm having though, mm-hmm. is that swashbucklers, one of the hardest ones to, for the Viking test.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: Like that's not really a Viking thing. They're more pragmatic. You know, but I t- I do think I could see like a showboaty young Viking who has a like a claim to the to the throne. I could see them being kind of like uppity and like a little bit acrobatic. I could see them in like a dueling circle, like Thirteenth Warrior style. You remember like the mm-hmm. dueling circles in Thirteenth Warrior? I could see like some young showboat being like, you know. K- k- kind of braggadocious is that a word braggadocious, braggadocious. Yeah, yeah i could see that i could see that i'm gonna say that i don't think it's the greatest fit for the viking test but you could probably make one or two vikings that were swashbucklers and i think it fit really well into the lore that's not like the best <laughs> answer mm-hmm. for the viking test but i think it's as good as it gets i'm surprised that swashbuckler is the one that gives me the most trouble Investigator was easier than this was. I,
1: I feel like if you think about Viking raids, right, sometimes they have to scale things and, and jump off things in ways that are a bit more akin to swashbuckler stuff, right? You could just say, like, oh, that's just a fighter with athletics or whatever, but I, I, I think you can get away with being like, well, I did it in a swashbuckler way, just a little more agile, a little more uh, lithe and, and graceful. Maybe you
0: have, like, the few Vikings on the raid that are the best suited to that. These mm-hmm. are the ones who scale the wall and leap over. I could see mm-hmm. that, you know, like an infiltration like roll. I could see that. I could see yeah. that. But what do we see when it comes to looking at swashbucklers in the rules of Pathfinder 2nd Edition?
1: Well, first off, I uh, think it's no surprise at all that their key ability is dexterity. They they love their decks. They love their agility. They love being maneuverable. Their hit points is 10 plus constitution modifier. They're a beefy class uh, up with the likes of rangers and, and fighters. They're experts in perception and trained in fortitude with expert in reflex and will.
0: They're also trained in acrobatics, another no surprise there. I am a little surprised that you don't see trained in acrobatics and athletics, so you will have to pick that up when you're swashbuckling if you plan on doing much running and jumping. You're also trained in one skill determined by your swashbuckler style, which we'll talk about soon, and a number of additional skills equal to 4 plus your intelligence modifier. But here's one of the things I want to highlight, because this will come up later. As far as attacks, you're trained in simple weapons, martial weapons unarmed attacks. No surprise there. But Swashbuck was one of the few classes where as you level up, as you increase your proficiency in martial weapons, you will also increase your proficiency in unarmed attacks.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if we're we're going back to Batman, I mean, he doesn't fight with weapons. He punches well. So he just, it all comes with part of the package, right?
0: I feel like Battering's Batman's gauntlets and batarangs. I feel like those have to be weapons.
1: I guess his gauntlets, but I mean, what about his kicks? I guess, is he trained in kicks or is he trained in boots?
0: Oh, okay. no, that's definitely training <laughs> kicks. Yeah, you got
1: that one for sure. <laughs> uh, in addition to the attacks, you're also train light armor, training unarmored defense, and, of course, your swashbuckler class DC. And the first real big thing you get into past your ancestry and background and your proficiencies is kind of the heart of the class, a little thing called panesh, which uh, if you don't know what that means, let me tell you here, panache is your flamboyant... Confidence of style or manner. You're just kind of exuding confidence. You're, you're excited. You're kind of in the zone When when things are going down and panache represents that mechanically as well um, If you're used to panache from first edition You might remember that you would have points of panache You'd have a couple different points that you would build up and spend as you like That's no longer the case here. You either have panache or you don't it's kind of an on-off switch and the way you get panache going is by doing kind of dramatic stuff every swashbuckler regardless of what style they're working with (coughs) can gain panache by tumbling through an enemy and succeeding if you do that your panache is on great and then you get benefits with panache Uh, the gm might determine that you can do a cool thing like i don't know swing from a chandelier and if you succeed at a skill check might give you panache it's recommended that that you exceed that you meet the dc of a very hard check for your level so if you're fifth level uh, that's a dc 20 normally but a very hard check would be plus five so dc 25 um and you know it could be some other thing it doesn't have to be tumble through it might be uh, an ac- athletics check to jump really far or something, whatever, the D- GM decides at that point. But once you have your panache on, you get a plus 5 foot status bonus to your speed. You're always a little faster when you're in the zone. And you gain a plus 1 circumstance bonus to any checks related to gaining panache. So in this case, it would be tumble through or anything that you gain uh, from your style.
0: Panache also is kind of the fuel for a lot of your other abilities, like precise strike or some of the finishers that you'll get later from your class. But while you have Precise Strike or while you have Panache, your Precise Strike allows you to do an extra 2 points of damage with your Agile or finesse weapons or Unarmed Strikes. And your finishers will also do an additional 2d6 points of damage. So it's a good way to just rack up some extra damage real quick. Now, the way you gain Pistache... Pistache. The way you gain Panache is going to be unique to each style of swashbuckler that you take. We've maybe. seen this in a lot of the other classes. You, you can always go with this kind of quote-unquote subclass and defines the way you'll play a little bit. Swashbuckler is no different. You can be a battle dancer where you kind of focus on your performance in battle. It Obviously, the, the name alludes to maybe dancing around the battlefield, but any way that you can use the word performance would work just fine for this. You could also be a braggart where you boast and taunt and psychologically needle your foes. And it's more intimidation-focused, so you get panache for, for doing a demoralize to your enemy.
1: Yeah, uh, with the fencer style, you're all about finding openings, so you are training deception and gain panache when you successfully faint, create a diversion. You might also be a gymnast, which actually is focused on athletics, not, ex- not dexterity, which is maybe what you might think. But in this case, uh, you gain your panache with successful grapples, shoves, or trips, which I wanted to point out, this is one way that Batman, and I guess a Viking, is a little bit like a swashbuckler. They're definitely grappling and tripping and shoving people around, and they're definitely demoralizing people.
0: That's true. Oh, man. You know, the braggart especially. I could easily see a Viking who commands the battlefield just by mm-hmm. their heroic roar, which scares the Saxons out of their boots.
1: Yes. And finally, the last style here is wit, which is focused on diplomacy and specifically the cool bon mot skill feat. Whenever you successfully bon mot someone in combat, you gain your panache. But... As mentioned earlier you can always try to tumble through as well uh, with panache so tumble through plus whatever your style is also pointing you toward
0: now I mentioned earlier precise strike but I didn't mention the actual confident finisher which all swashbucklers have from level 1 going forward where you can make this finisher it has the finisher keyword so it will get that extra 2d6 of damage and it doesn't have a success condition, but it does have a failure condition where you do half of your precise strike damage to the target if you fail, which is still pretty useful. But it, yeah. it, it's a good way to just make sure you get out that last oomph when you need it.
1: Yeah. A couple things with finishers, though. Uh, precise strike says if you use your finisher, you deal 2d6 damage on a hit. So you know, that's that's the bonus you're getting regardless of which finisher you're using. But also, finishers specifically say you can't use anything else with an attack action after using your finisher. So you definitely don't want to try to attack. You want to make sure you plan your, your your turn in such a way that you have your finisher be your last attack in the turn. It might not be your last action. You might choose to demoralize or move or something like that, but you can't do any further attacks, and that includes things like grapple and trip.
0: At third level, swashbuckers get opportune repost, which is really just like attack of opportunity with more steps like if somebody (laughs) attacks you and they critically fail then you you can strike them back instead another thing to note is that you know how like rogues get extra skill feats like all the time slash has got that too in the form of stylish tricks you're not going to get as many as a rogue does but at three seven and fifteen you get an extra skill feat
1: specifically though it has to be related to acrobatics or the skill tied to your style so if you are a wit style and focused on diplomacy you have to take diplomacy skill feats with these bonus stylish tricks also at third level third level is just a great time for the swashbuckler by the way you gain uh, vivacious speed which increases the speed that you gain from your panache it started as a plus five foot bonus then it increases to 10 feet and then at seventh 11th, 15th, and 19th level, it goes up by another 5 feet. So eventually, you have a plus 30 bonus speed to your movement speed while you have your panache on. And your vivacious speed specifically says if you don't have your panache, you still gain half the bonus. So in theory, you're always at least plus 15 feet faster and up to 30 feet faster if you have your panache on.
0: That's a little bit silly, to be honest. A plus 30 feet to your speed? Just because you said a, a, a quick quip?
1: You're you're in the zone. You you got you got to <laughs> take advantage of it. Uh, at seventh level, you get evasion, which is a typical thing where success on a, a reflex save is critical success. At ninth level, you gain your exemplary finisher, which is an extra rider on top of the the finisher in addition to the 2d6 damage and whatever other stuff comes with the, the finisher finisher you choose you also get a, a specific extra effect based on your style if you're a battle dancer when you use your finisher you can step for free just immediately after you do it if you're a braggart any if the the target that you used your finisher against was demoralized and now temporarily immune because you know they're temporarily immune i think for like a minute after a demoralized attempt this will clear that immu- immunity it, they are free to be demoralized again which is pretty ridiculous uh with the fencer style uh you make your foe foe flat-footed with your finisher uh, gymnast uh if you are grabbed restrained or prone when you are using the finisher which is kind of a rough time to be doing that you will gain a bonus to uh your damage equal to twice the number of your uh your weapon damage dice and finally if you are a wit slash buckler your foe takes a minus two circumstance penalty to attack rolls until the start of your next turn
0: i think that continuous flare at 11th level is actually pretty interesting because here's an ability where you take the things that you do in combat and you make them useful in exploration mode when you're normally not thinking about it what it says is that if you do something outside of combat so that would give you pernash like if you're doing like a like tumble throughs and stuff but outside of combat you get you get plus one well for the rest of like expiration mode while you're continuing to do things like that this this could be pretty interesting like especially if you're a braggart and your main thing is demoralized you walk up to somebody like hey punk get out of my way you know, Nat. Now, now, when you try to demoralize his his brother, like you're gonna get plus one to that. I don't. I think it's interesting. You know, you keep doing your swashbuckling things even outside of combat. I'm also really excited about what you get at 50th level, because one of the things I do hear from the community a lot about the swashbuckler is that like, why, when you could just be a fighter, why would you be a swashbuckler? You know, the the plus two to your to hit on fighters really. That's kind of a big deal. But at Mm -hmm. 15th level, you get Keen Flare with a Swashbuckler, which is basically like crit specialization from the old days, right? Now, if you would hit with a 19 or a 20, it's a crit. That's pretty cool. It literally doubles the number of crits you're getting, based on the rolls alone, anyway.
1: That's technically a thing a fighter can get if they take a feat for it. There is a... Is that right? Let me double check. Double check that. Yes. Fighters Savage, are already... Savage Critical, a, an 18th level fighter feat. So you you would get this earlier than... than, than and for fighter. free. Uh, and for free, yes. At 18th level, if you take Savage Critical, it's the same effect. 19s can be crits. If they, they hit, they automatically become crits. But you get it for free. You get it at 15th level. So... You're uh, a step ahead on the fighter, at least in the aspect of critting on (laughs) (laughs) 19th.
0: At least in that aspect.
1: Yeah. And uh, speaking of 19th level, you also gain eternal confidence, which increases your class DC. But the other thing it does is it kind of grants your confident finisher effect, which all swashbucklers get to any fight or to any finisher that you use. You can gain feats that are different types of finishers, which you use in place of confidence finishers. But here at 19th level, the effects of confident finisher apply to any finisher that you use, regardless of which one it is. So you get a little bit uh, of reliability where even on a failure, even if you miss your attack, you still get half of your, your finisher damage.
0: So we come to my favorite part, where we've mm-hmm. talked a lot about What constitutes a swashbuckler? But I I feel like until we get to doing our own builds, we never really get a feel for the class, you know? Yeah. Luis, help me get a feel for the swashbuckler.
1: Okay. Well... I think I will do so by presenting oh, a character build like we tend to do all the way up to 10th level. Uh, so normally I try to avoid taking stuff outside of the core book or whatever book we're talking about. But here I have a specific idea that I really want to do and it's just all been kind of coming together. All the different little pieces floating around that I want to bring together and I want to do my kind of I don't know what to even call it. I guess I'd be the like intimidating commander, battle commander style character, which I'm using Swashbuckler and I think Swashbuckler is actually the best class for this. So like fighter might fight better, but it's not going to do this specific thing better. So, and it's not your typical Swashbuckler either. So I'm going with Hobgoblin Swashbuckler. And specifically, I'm going with the Braggart style, the one that's focused on intimidation. Because wouldn't you know it, Hobgoblins are amazing intimidators. And they have a lot going for them. First off, at first level, you're going to... Take your, your, your style, uh, if you want a, f- a class feat to go with, because you have to take one at first level, your next is fine. When you reduce someone to zero hit points, you can intimidate someone nearby as a reaction, and that's cool. Whenever you successfully intimidate, you get your panache, and that's always great. You want panache. But specifically, the thing we're looking for at first level is the fact that Hobgoblins get an Ancestry feat, and the one you might want to take is called Remorseless Lash. That specifically says when you succeed a melee weapon strike against a foe that's frightened, i.e. one that you just demoralized, that foe can't reduce their frightened condition below one until the beginning of your next turn. Oh, So that's if you cool. keep attacking the target that you demoralized, they will remain frightened. As long as you don't miss your attacks, they will at least remain frightened one, no matter what. So that's great that's easier to hit it's harder for them to hit you and it's easier for you know the spellcaster to pull attacks off on, on them you know, your your charms or your, your fireballs or whatever it might be second level a couple different feats you can take uh, i looked between unbalancing finisher and uh, dueling parry i like the idea of having that third action to give yourself a bonus to ac really whatever you want um, but also it's when you're starting to get your skill feats and there's a lot of cool skill feats for intimidation as well you can do intimidating glare so you can intimidate people by just looking at them rather than have to rely on them understanding you they you can freak people out with just a a stink eye which is great um at fourth level i took swaggering initiative just because bonuses to initiative tend to be good and uh, i like the uh, ability to draw an action or an item draw your weapon specifically as part of that. Another possible thing, if you're into going with strength, which you probably should, I'll tell you why in a bit, you could also go with flamboyant athlete, which gives you a lot of extra bonuses while your panache is on. Uh, at fifth level is the the kind of core, like the, the, the central thing for, for this class, this build here, is an Ancestry feat called Agonizing Rebuke which specifically says, when you successfully demoralize a foe, that foe takes 1d4 mental damage at the start of each of its turns, as long as it remains frightened. This is a free d4 of damage, mental damage, which is really hard to resist. And, hey, remember earlier at first level, when as long as you keep attacking that that target, they remain frightened? Wouldn't you know it, you're going to keep that person frightened and dealing an extra d4 of damage every turn. And if your proficiency becomes Master in Intimidation, it becomes 2d4 or 3d4 damage at Legendary. 3d4 damage for free every turn once you're at 17th or 15th level is nothing to sneeze at. I mean, it's d4s, but it's free. And keeping someone frightened is always good regardless of what level it is. So this and it is behaves
0: just, like Persistent, but it doesn't go away like Persistent. It doesn't
1: go away. They can't do anything to make it go away beyond reduce their Frightened condition. So... I think there might be ways to get rid of Frighten in that situation with something like Remove Fear, but it's it's going to be really tough for, for the one person that you're focused on to reduce that frighten condition. It's rough. Uh, some other skill feats you can pick up by this time. Uh, there's the, um, the group coercion, all that stuff. That's kind of outside of combat. Uh, but specifically, you can take Intimidating Prowess if you have a 16 Strength. Uh, you can use your, your strength to give you a bonus to your intimidation, which is pretty cool. Uh, so plus one circumstance is nothing to sneeze at. Uh, and that just kind of ties into the, the grappling and the strength athletic stuff if you really want to. Uh, you could also choose to take eventually, uh, lasting coercion and stuff, but, Sixth level, I took combination finisher because why not? It seems like a good enough thing to take. Um, reducing your penalty on your finishers is is always a good thing, so you can kind of guarantee that damage. Uh, and then at seventh level, you can take the battle cry skill feat, which lets you demoralize someone as soon as you roll initiative. So you can start combat with panache before you've even taken your turn if you successfully demoralize someone and they're close enough. So that's always good. And then, hey, just start attacking on that one guy you freaked out at the beginning. Blow up their everything. Their Their mind is shattered. They're frightened forever. It's great. Uh, take a lot of other different uh, intimidation skill feats. There's There's a lot to go there. At 8th level, you can take... A uh, number of different things, I took Vivacious Bravado, which is uh, anytime you um, have your panache, have gained your Panache that turn, you can spend this action to gain some temporary hit points equal to your Charisma. Your Charisma is probably going to be good if you're doing Intimidation stuff. And at 10th level, I took Daring Do, which says you can roll twice and use a higher result on checks to which circumstance bonuses for having Panache applies, like Intimidate. You can roll twice and take the better on your checks to intimidate people and keep them demoralized forever. Oh, wouldn't you know it, at ninth level we got our our cool extra thing with our finisher where we can demoralize someone, remove their immunity, and demoralize them again, and just kind of ruin one particular target's day at a time. Just focus on one guy, completely obliterate them with intimidation, and then move on to the next guy and do it again. It's great and not at all having to jump around or do anything you just keep yelling at people until they're reduced to nothing
0: Luis, this might be the best legend lore build you've made yet (laughs) this is really something it's
1: yes it's one kind of thing i've been wanting to play for a long time but once i saw what swashbuckler could do with it i realized oh this is perfect. I have everything focused on intimidation in a way that no one else really can do.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. Like I'm strongly tempted to steal this build and make it myself. This <laughs> this sounds like a lot of I have a thing for hobgoblins anyway, but this yes, sounds <laughs> This sounds really fun. I really like this. My idea is the opposite in that it's it's completely ridiculous, and sure. I don't know if it's nearly as coherent but if <laughs> I'm, I'm exploiting a technicality, so mine is an automaton call sign showboat, mm. and uh, it's a background in gladiator. And the whole reason I even did this is because way earlier I mentioned that swashbucklers increase their skill with unarmed attacks, and automatons can get an unarmed attack, which is a laser beam. And I just want to be really good with a laser beam. Mm-hmm. So I took, uh, so I, that's what I do. I take laser beam, uh, energy beam at first level with the, with the energy beam feet. I'm going to pick up the heritage warrior automaton to get an extra d6 when I just make unarmed attacks because I do want to make a lot of unarmed attacks. And I'm going to pick up Dueling Parry, because why wouldn't you pick up Dueling Parry? With your last action, you get plus two to your AC. That's great.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm going with the Battle Dancer style, which will make sense soon once we get to second level. Uh, but with that comes fascinating performance and, per- and impressive performance. At second level, we do the thing that I always do here on Legend Lore, because I can't help myself. I pick up a Dedication feat. I can't help it. I love them. This is why I think free archetype should be like a vanilla rule. It's so good. This one, I'm picking up gladiator dedication as part Mm -hmm. of gladiator background because gladiator dedication lets you be a marshal, but you also get a lot of benefit out of rolling performance, which is kind of cool. That's why this robot's call sign is showboat. We're going to use all of our stylish trick feats and our skill feats just to pick up performance skill feats. At fourth level we're getting one of the big ones, play to the crowd. So when you reduce an enemy to zero hit points, you can roll performance and, you know, get, choose something from a smattering of benefits. That's pretty good, because with the swashbuckler style of battle any time you roll performance, if your roll is higher than the will DC of a foe who can observe them, you get panache. So for downing somebody, you can maybe get panache and these benefits on top of it. At fifth level, we're going to take integrated armament just because I think it's really cool for your swashbuckler to have, like... Or for your robot to have, like, a built-in rapier or something, you know? Mm -hmm. Like this extendable... Antenna, which is actually a sword. I, don't know, I think that kind of stuff was cool. Maybe it's just me. Sixth level, I'm sticking with the Swashbuckler class and picking up Attack of Opportunity purely because I have a soft spot for it in my heart. Eighth level, I'm picking up Call Your Shot, which just gives you another benefit when you do play to the crowd. So instead of getting like temporary hit points or something, I can choose the creature within 30 feet and make them frightened with my performance check on top of getting Panache from it. And at 10th level we're getting dueling dance just because I think it helps where you're just constantly under the effects of your dueling parry. So I don't know if this is as coherent as yours, but yours isn't a robot with a laser beam.
1: No, and... it definitely isn't. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, that's what I came up with and I'm really excited about it even if it isn't going to be as, uh, as effective as yours. I still like it a lot.
1: I think if they work together, uh, Hobgoblin and Robot just kind of ruin most anyone's day that they encounter.
0: If they're able to work together, I would have a lot of questions, which is a good thing because (laughs) next up is questions from from our users and patrons. From Patron Dom, in your opinion, is it important to get your finisher off as soon as you can when you have panache? Or is it the bonus damage, st- speed, and skill worth holding on to?
1: Well, for the most part, in combat, the you're going to be good at the things that are going to be giving you the, the bonuses. To, sorry. You're going to be good at the things that give you your panache. So you're going to be good at your intimidate. You're going to be good at your athletics, whatever it is. Uh, plus one will help a lot, but it's not going to make or break like, oh, I needed this plus one to, to uh, really... Uh, succeed at these things and the bonus speed is good but you as a primarily melee combatant will usually be within one move action of your enemies right so that's five ten fifteen feet depending on what level you are up to 30 feet probably isn't going to really require it i think the bonus damage is worth it the one problem you kind of run into is what causes you to, to gain your panache something like intimidate where someone becomes uh, temporarily immune to it with, with the demoralize is harder to regain panache with compared to something like athletics where I can always just try to trip the guy and if I succeed I have both tripped them and get my panache and he never gets more it never gets more difficult to, to trip your opponent so I think for the most part, I would always try to go for the finisher, because that extra damage is good. Uh, And you might get extra stuff based on your finisher, depending on what you're going with. But it it does depend on your style. Um, Tumbling through every turn is technically something any swashbuckler can do, but that might get kind of old. Uh, Yeah, so really up to you. But I think generally lean towards doing the finisher more, more than that
0: i'm ready to double down on it being based on your style if you're <laughs> if you're a braggart and you get panache from into demoralizing somebody you can only demoralize somebody once right and if this is like the big boss and you actually pull off the demoralize i think you hold on to that panache because you're not going to be able to get it back
1: Until you hit ninth level and you get that special thing that lets you do it again. That's true. We're we're talking general tactics, I think, yes. Yeah,
0: like if your panache is something you can easily get back, if it's tumble through, if it's rolling performance, I think you just do your finisher as soon as you can. But if it's not, if it's one that's a little bit harder for you to get your panache back, I would definitely hold on to it.
1: Our next question comes from user uh, Mark Seifter that sounds like a familiar name have
0: you ever heard that before
1: Mm, I think he's one of those writers that is doing cool third party stuff for Pathfinder kind of up and comer
0: up and comer Keep your eyes on this one, folks. (laughs) He
1: asks, uh, why do you think the Slashbuckler was so popular and highly regarded during the APG playtest, even though it was a pretty big departure from the original version in first edition?
0: So the reason I think, I don't know if this is the same as, as you, Luis, but the reason I think it was so popular, even though it was so different from 1E, is because people weren't excited to get their game mechanics from 1E reintroduced in 2E. They were excited to get the concept of the swashbuckler mm-hmm. brought over from 1E to 2E. And that's going to get anybody excited if you're a big like fan of that, you know. It's not really about the mechanics, it's about the concept. And suddenly, yeah. here's daring do, here's Earl Flynn. Is that did I get that right? Earl Flynn. <laughs> Earl Flynn. I was close. Earl yeah here he is you know Robin Hooding it up swashbuckling it up and that's cool you know and people who grew accustomed to their swashbuckles from first edition maybe they couldn't find the same character in the fighter maybe it wasn't a good enough facsimile
1: mm-hmm. I think that's a big part of it I think another thing is mechanically you get to express your, yourself in more ways than I think the original swashbuckler did um i feel like first edition swashbuckler was very much your decks and only decks and then you only do the deck stuff but here now you can kind of focus on well i can with the different styles i can choose to be more athletics focused and, and has strength as my other thing or charisma as my other thing with you know diplomacy or intimidation or deception or performance so there, there's a, a few different ways you can play them uh to kind of lean into a different type of slash buckler depending on what you want instead of just being forced to only decks and that's it which i think helps a lot you know having options helps a lot of people but i think the biggest thing at least for me i mean there's no way to actually prove this uh, but it feels like a lot of the people that were playing pf2 at the time that the apg playtest came out the the majority of the population for the the fan base was not people who played first edition Pathfinder. I think PF2 brought in so many new people and there are definitely people who were playing first edition, but so many new people that they didn't know what the first edition one played like. So this is brand new to them. And this is just exciting. It's a brand new class and it plays well. It was, you know, well, designed didn't need too much more work to get to its final state. So it was just a kind of exciting new thing to play with. And they had, no rose-colored glasses on, and they had no previous expectations of what a swashbuckler should do. This feels like a swashbuckler. It's a new class. I'm excited.
0: That's pretty good. From user Crass Noel, please provide examples that aren't pirates or the Three Musketeers. Would love to show how the swashbuckler is a braggart or a fighter or a scoundrel, etc.
1: Well. I think my Hobgoblin covers Braggart pretty well. (laughs) Like just a yelling guy. Um, Is it an archetype that you see a lot? I think so. Um, There are definitely like fighters out combatants out there that use intimidation and mind uh, games and and mental tactics more so to get into people's brains and use that to win a fight than they would uh, with just outmaneuvering them in combat. Batman does that. He plays into people's fears a lot and I think that's a perfect braggart
0: what interests me about this question is that I'm not really confident in any answers for it mm-hmm. because when you say examples that aren't pirates or musketeers those are two concepts right Like to, these are things you can be we can write swashbucklers all day long who aren't pirates or musketeers and we can make them good we can make them fun but can we make them concepts? Like, like what kind of concepts could we make to be a swashbuckler that isn't a pirate, a musketeer, or just some random one-off adventure that we wrote up? And that's where I don't know. This is one that I'm actually going to lose sleep over and think about.
1: It sounds like you're saying something like the swashbuckler is so tied to the themes of, like, pirates and musketeers. It's kind of hard to go beyond that.
0: Yeah. I mean, when we look at Robin Hood, like was he not just like an, an outlaw musketeer, really? Yeah. He yeah. didn't know? use a
1: musket, but it effectively fights the same way.
0: Yeah, and it just feels like it's just so tied to these concepts. Like, e- each of the things, like Braggart, this is just a musketeer, but I intimidate. Battle mm-hmm. Dancer is a musketeer, but I do flashy moves or like dance moves or something. You know, all of them are musketeer, but... You know, it's hard to it's hard to pull away from that.
1: The the duelist core at the the center of the swashbuckler.
0: Now you know Vanessa had an interesting one where the swashbuckler that she plays in three ring adventure is an acrobat more than anything else. That's kind of the concept of that character. But again, so that's a one off. It's hard to Mm -hmm. say that swashbucklers are acrobats. Like I mean maybe but it's I think
1: they're acrobatic, but they're not necessarily always acrobats yeah yeah
0: Yeah. so i don't i don't have a good answer for this but i think Mm -hmm. that means that it's a question which is particularly worth thinking about and discussing this is something i I really want to see the community talk about and see what you guys can come up with
1: Moving on to our next question from our patron, Relkin, uh, who mentions that they wouldn't mind seeing our take on how, or if it's worth it, to integrate firearms into your swashbuckler for that ultimate pirate style, that pirate flavor.
0: Well, one of the pirate styles, pirate styles, one of the gunslinger styles involves using, you know, a one-handed weapon with your pistol. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a perfect fit for being a gunslinger with a swashbuckler archetype. Or going yeah. vice-versa with that, being a swashbuckler with the Gunslinger archetype. As far as worth it, well, that's, that's perhaps the easiest question there is. Do you think it's cool? Then it's worth it. And what I like about Pathfinder 2nd Edition is that most of the builds you can cook up will always be worth it in a game mechanic sense. It's just, mm-hmm. what do you think is cool enough? I think it's cool i'd play that all day long i have a pirate that's kind of yeah i do i have a pirate gunslinger which is kind of based on that i just didn't use a swashbuckler archetype but i easily could have
1: mechanically mixing the two i mean there's nothing that says because of your your training with weapons that you can't use firearms they're all technically martial or simple or advanced weapons just like anything else um Another thing mechanically going for both of them is that gunslingers and swashbucklers both use dexterity because of ranged stuff. Um, so you're already having decks as your key ability score for your class. It's going to help you out. You don't have to use your gun every turn. It might just be the thing that you save to hit someone from a distance and then close that gap and rely on your sword for, for the rest of it or, or hit the range uh, the flyer or whatever. I think a lot of people in real world combat fired a gun once and then resorted to other weapons for the rest of their combat until they had an opportunity to properly reload because it takes a while to do that Um, and if you want to express this with classes and stuff honestly i think you're probably better off taking a gunslinger with a swashbuckler archetype multi-class than going the other way around if you want to focus on guns. If you don't want to focus on guns, if you just want it to be an addition, just give yourself a gun, buy a gun, and, and fire it every once in a while. Well,
0: yeah, yeah, I think so. The nice thing about taking the Gunslinger Arctic, though, is you get access to those nice reloads, you know, mm-hmm. which are so action-efficient. Mm, action efficiency Our next question is from patron Debrick Wookie. Is the scout dedication the best dedication for a swashbuckler uh
1: depends on what you want to do um i mean they're they're good for fainting and deception and things like that but um honestly gladiator worked well uh it really depends i think on your style of swashbuckler on on what you want to do um scout is pretty good at moving around and 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 helping ease up on on your or maximize your action economy but Your scout speed feat is not going to really do you anything because that overlaps with panache, so you won't get any benefits from that, um, really. Um, It's good if you want to do a thing that focuses on on what the scout is good at. I don't necessarily think it's the end-all be-all for archetypes that you take as a, a swashbuckler.
0: I'm a little bit biased here. If I mm-hmm. rephrase the question to be is the scout dedication the best dedication for a marshal, then the answer would be yes. The scout dedication is so much fun. I love the yeah. mobility that it adds in the skirmishing. It's it's so good. It mm-hmm. So for this specific question, is it the best dedication? The answer is maybe. A strong maybe. It's not it's the, it's not the it's, worst.
1: It's a strong choice, I think no matter what build you're going with, with the slosh buckler, you're never going to go wrong by taking a little bit of scout even.
0: I think so too. But the real question here at the end of the day, Luis, have we ducked and dived and buckled and weaved and had fancy footwork and daring do to give this conversation justice? Because that's all we have for you today. Make sure you check out the rest of our content on the no direction network. Because if you like this show or any of our other blogs or shows, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash no direction. Because it's the support of our patrons that make this all possible.
1: Until next time, I'm Luis. And I'm Lauren. Thanks for listening to Legend Lore. And as always, it's been Legendary.